That's right. Let's get it started with some noise. What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm Gabriel. You can find me on social media on at Double G on TV. I am joined by Miss WCE herself, Miss. I love. Hey, Fight Fans! You can find me at Fangirl underscore MMA. This is Kayla Beatty. G, how are you? I am doing fantastic. Kayla, I need your help. With what? We have so many fights, which is, of course, the title of our show. It is Mega Fight Week, not because (laughs) Connor and all that, but let's rattle it off. We have UFC Moscow tomorrow. The UFC finally makes its debut in Russia. Tonight, we have the Bantamweight Championship, the first championship in the history of Combate Americas. Tomorrow, we have the debut of the MMA Pro League, which will be airing on Flow Combat. And just in case you wanted a little more in boxing, we have the rematch Canelo versus Triple G2. Kayla, I need your help. I just, I don't know how I'm going to get through so much combat sports. Yeah, it is. I, I like the title. It's very fitting. Mega Fight Week it is. Which one are you most excited to watch? Oh, man. You know, um, that's a tough one. Um, obviously, when you have something historic for UFC, how can you not watch it? I was right. also doing an interview this morning with a reporter in Russia about the event. Um then again, Combate Americas, I've talked to several fighters on that card, um, especially title challenger Jose Aldaye. Uh, th- there's a lot of fun MMA. Um, if I'm going to pick one, I, I-, I almost I-, I feel like Canelo Triple G, just because I feel like of all the combat sports we're going to have, those are the biggest stars who I think will be involved in the most drama. Uh-huh. And I think I know it's weird. MMA daily. There's three MMA events not picking <laughs> the boxing, but it's true. I think that one. Um, and then, of course, we'll talk in, about the logistics of how do you get to watch all your stuff tomorrow? But yeah, I think that I got to go with Canelo Triple G just for the star power. What about you? Yeah, I mean, again, like you said, just because of uh, it's the UFC making their debut in Russia. That's such a big historic event that I definitely would want to tune into that. But we've covered a lot of the Triple G Canelo press stuff. So we're kind of invested with that, too. So like you said, even though it's an MMA daily show that we usually talk about the sport of martial arts, I feel very invested to just see that rematch play out, Um, you know, just because it is the first rematch for both men, too. So. It's going to be a, a, a good one. But we know we're going to watch all of the sports anyway because that's our job and that's our passion. we got to talk about it. Exactly. So I'm going to need some of that patented Kayla Beatty coffee to keep me going. But, <laughs> of course, let's get it started with the big one, UFC 228, recapping every all the action from Dallas. And, of course, the welterweight championship between Tyron Woodley and Darren Till. Uh, Kayla, I mean, to get it started... I I was watching new people and they're saying, you know, Tyron Woodley looks nervous. 
that might have been one of his most impressive performances to date, just taking out Darren Till in the second round. I have to shout out somebody. I did the preview show with Miss Jade Morris of the UK, and she was telling me, you know what? Scousers don't get knocked out. Darren Till will not be getting put to sleep. And it is true. He survived a beating. He forced Tyreek yeah. Ridley to go to plan B and use his jujitsu. Just super impressive from both men. But what did you think of the fight? What is that saying? Everything's bigger in Texas. Those <laughs> big shots came out from the champ. Yeah, I actually had predicted that he was going to win by submission. I had, I don't know if I said that on our show. I don't know if I went down as far as to how he would finish it. But I think I said it would be in the earlier rounds. And when I started to talk to more MMA fans um, over social media, I just had a gut feeling because so many people have, you know, been critical of his last few performances and them being a little lackluster. And I knew he wasn't going to sleep on Darren Till. You know, he knew he was dangerous. And I just, I knew that he was going to pull out those other skills that he hasn't shown recently, but that he does have. And I, I really love his performance because I think that it was a great way to finish the night. The whole card really delivered on some excitement. Um, but it was a, it was a great way to shut those people up. Not that he needed to, but, um, just kind of remind people that he is a very well-rounded champ. And I, yeah, hats off to Darren Till to taking those shots and surviving those big, heavy elbows and uh, that ground and pound. But I think that this was a good fight for him too. Um, like he said, for, to have his first loss be a title fight, you know, that, that says a lot there for you too. And, and it's just going to show him, um, you know, where he needs to work. And I love that Tyron Woodley got his black belt too after this. Like what a, what a great moment to get your black belt. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing that I was trying to put on into words was that, you know, Tyron Woodley, the last several years, he's faced all fellow veterans, the Robbie Lawlers, the Stephen Thompson's, the Damian Mayas. This was the next generation. This was big, bad Darren Till undefeated, Taller, bigger, could walk him down. And Tyron Woodley just turned back the clock. And remember, can you believe this? That there were a few people saying Tyron, Ru- uh, sorry, Tyron Woodley is boring. That second fight with Wonder Boy was boring. The Damian Maya fight was boring. It just goes to show that these styles make these fights, Kayla. And I'm really glad that he got to have that validation. Mm-hmm. And that vindication of all the hard work and the talents he possesses. Um, I was a little surprised, like a lot of people. I felt like Darren Till got the positions he wanted. He stuffed the takedowns. He got mm-hmm. Tyron Woodley against the fence. But just the lack of volume, the lack of output, that actually surprised me. Um, what about you? Did you feel like Darren Till wasn't pulling the trigger for whatever reason? I think so. And I think he even addressed that in his post fight interviews. Um, You know, he, he thought maybe that was his game plan. He thought that he would go into those championship rounds. And, but again, maybe he underestimated Tyron Woodley a little bit or, or, you know, it's a fight. There's a lot of ways it can go. And he tried something out by kind of having a slower start. Um, But that just again, goes to show how maybe that experience and being the veteran in there, 
that Tyron Woodley has faced a lot more competition and and knew how to respond to that. But I think that that's something um, that Darren Till did express is he just went in there a little too calm and lackadaisical in the beginning. Um, but there you go. He's already learning from this fight. I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch, obviously not right off, uh, you know, right back to back. But I think that if Darren Till gets a few more wins in and, um, you know, improves and evolves, which I think he will, I wouldn't mind seeing that rematch back because it would be nice to see him kind of go in there and, and pull the trigger faster. Of course. No, he's, he remains one of the top guys. Um, uh, you know, they asked him, was this the last fight at welterweight? Are you moving up in weight? I'm sure he'll address that. Only he can say, you know, just how much does he lose making that big cut? But um, I, I, I don't know. I predict late this year, maybe early next year, we'll get a better indication of when he's coming back. And then, of course, just how is he feeling about the weight class and everything? I do think that there's still a lot of exciting matchups for him in the welterweight division, as long as he can health, you know, be healthy and get there. Um, because he hasn't, fa- he, you know, he got this title shot because of his nice fast run, but he, he didn't face, you know, a lot of those top 10 guys yet to get there. So I think there's still some exciting matchups. I agree. I think it's just because he put his own writing on the wall. It was like, I'm going to win the title, defend it once or twice and move up. So it's like, you know, uh, like, you know where your heart's at. And um, I would rather he just say, like, you know, I just I can't do it. You know, I, I like I'm getting a little older and it's not as easy for me to make 170, you know, and it was already difficult before. So I want him to make the best decision for himself. But I agree with you. There are some good matchups out there. Um, moving on for Tyron Woodley, Kayla, is there anybody besides Colby Covington who to match him up with? What's next for the champ? I think what's cool is though people found those fights with Damian Mai and Steven Thompson boring. I think that it's been very cool to see the champ take on these guys that are so, like you said, it's just a certain style. And I think that really, if you look at his past few fights, it's been fun to see the champ adapt to each one of those. I really want to see him fight a fellow, a guy with, you know, similar wrestling background. So I like that Colby Covington fight. I do think that that's the fight that should just happen too, because he won an interim belt. And I think unless you make those fights happen, it's, it's defeating the whole purpose of them. So that's the next fight that I should happen but I also like that Kamara Usman fight too what about you yeah you know I think if you were to ask Woodley honestly he would rather just fight Kamaru because he doesn't like Colby Covington personally mm-hmm. um the fact is Colby is just that elephant in the room like you know I mean come on now like all the trash talk the Donald Trump picture with the belt and I see him go on Helwani's show and he's saying, nobody's told me I'm stripped of this title. And, you know, whether or not they've actually, like said, Colby got to send us back that belt. It doesn't matter. The fact is he has that little token that we all saw the UFC give him that it's kind of like it has to be resolved in order for us to stop talking about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, love the, I love the fight with Kamaru. I think that Kamaru, when he's on, he can really pose a lot of threats to Tyron Woodley. 
the fact is, I feel like we just haven't seen that Kamaru. Um, the Damian Maya fight was an example. Um, Mike Perry, uh, I want to say he fought before then, or um, Amel Mech. That was another one. Sorry. But uh, you, it's like we, we have all this potential in Kamaru, but then these big moments where it's like, okay, show us you're that guy. And he just kind of doesn't excite us the way you want your Islanders to do it. Until has in the past, the way other people have. So, thing to it is that it's got to go to Covington. Yeah, and I get it. No one wants to entertain, like, you know, the bad kid at the party or the clown, um, you know, the bad kid in class. But like you said, he's he's there and he's making noise. And the only way that you're going to shut him up is, unfortunately, you know, um, entertaining that and, and shutting him down. The only thing that worries me is I, I'm already predicting that it the – trash talk is going to maybe get a political and I hope that they kind of shut that down because I don't really want to listen to that whole side of it I want to just enjoy the sport and keep the trash talk light so I hope that that's not the case but we'll see yeah when I um I, I'd like to say I have no problem with athletes speaking their views about the politics in our society in terms of like hey you know you have a platform if you want to use it to promote positive change, I'm all for that. Um, to your point, though, I feel like I just don't see Colby suddenly changing the world for the better. I feel like he's going to use it in a very juvenile sort of way that just is meant to galvanize and anger, you know, a portion of the fan base to kind of just get people talking about it. And I don't like the idea of that either. So I agree with you. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Uh, how, I, I guess when is the question? I know that Tyron said he felt pretty good. So maybe end of the year coming event to Amanda and Cyborg. That stands out. Um, I don't know if the Max Holloway, Brian Ortega is official for early December, but that could be a date or maybe they just look at the beginning of the year in January for that one. But I'm, Assuming those are going to be it, I don't think they're going to make it happen for Madison Square Garden. So, yeah, we're going to have to wait and see about that one. Kayla, I've been very excited. I almost texted you and bothered you on Saturday night. <laughs> main event. Gangster mode. effect for Jessica Andrade getting the first round knockout of Karolina Kovalkiewicz. Ladies first, because I'm about to go off on this one, too. Yeah, I mean, what a performance for Jessica Andrade. And I didn't even realize that she was breaking records with this, too. Of I think, I forgot what it was. Of, of she Most wins most by wins? a fighter yeah. at UFC. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. And we, we predicted this. We predicted that it would be an earlier, you know, finish. Just because I think with each lady's styles, one of them was going to be able to figure the other one out faster but um yeah to give carolina her first knockout and and just win powerfully like that that's how you get yourself a title shot i don't like how she's addressing trying to get rose nominees to set a date so quickly i don't like how she's saying we've been waiting um i was kind of confused with that but 
I, I think that they should, you know, um, because they both got pretty early. Well, no, Rose went the distance with Joanna this last time, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see it by the end of the year or like you're saying early next year if we can, you know, get them to set on, settle on a date. But, um, yeah, great performance for her. I mean, she's very powerful. All right, so I say it every time we mention her, we talk about her. Jessica Andras just fights with that gangster. And I always <laughs> say, what do I mean by that? I mean, she is relentless and she will unapologetically beat you down. I love that she came out fast and she did not let up. I was worried she was going to get tired. When she hurt Carolina early, I thought, she isn't getting the finish. She's about to blow her arms out and look like Carolina was getting herself into it. Then that right hand happened and it was over from there. And I think that's just a testament to how dangerous Jessica Andrade is. I would argue that she is the most exciting fighter um, in the female weight classes. That includes Cyborg. That includes Rose. She just fights that kind of style that makes you want to tune in and get the popcorn. Um, for the fight, for Jessica, I, I think that um, she tipped his hand a little bit because she did mention that week that they offered her, hey, do you want to fight Rose November, December, or do you want to get back in there earlier? She elected to fight a little earlier. So what I would like to think is that the Rose fight is closer to happening rather than maybe like we're still waiting to find out. So that to me says that her plan of possibly fighting New Year's Eve, the co-main to Amanda and Chris, that could be a fun card. A lot of girl power on that one. If uh -huh. not, I mean, um, I, I feel like they want to give Rose her own main event, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're a co-main to one of the other big fights that could be happening in January or February. Maybe the um, Brock Lesnar, uh, Daniel Cormier card. That could be a fun card to have Rose and DC on it. I don't know, but I do. I would prefer to see it earlier. I would prefer to see it this year before it closes out. I would, too. I think that it's a matter of Rose Salminas has been open about her mental health of where she's at after the whole Connor attack. And, um, you know, I, I read something recently about she's just been having some anxiety with getting back in the gym and all of that. So I think it's more of like outside issues of her just getting back into a healthy camp. But hopefully that can, um, you know, be settled. And, and yeah, I think it definitely has power to to be a main event but um i like the idea of it being added to that female event with uh amanda versus chris yeah also the girls um, always the girls always finish the the year and close the show <laughs> they do because the girls are the best right kayla <laughs> but um no the thing uh, i'm seeing really in that is that um i know that rose still is working on um or recovering from that neck I don't know procedure or just the injury, but um, I'd assume that's getting closer to being resolved from the way they're talking. And then, of course, yeah. um, with uh, what was it, Trevor Whitman talking about her, you know, her struggles with anxiety following the Connor incident. Um, that's another 
can of worms that I don't know if I want to open today, but certainly that's something that if she's struggling with, I think that um take time to address it and to, you know, can I guess to resolve it so you can live, you know, your most productive life is what I would say. For sure. Moving on. So there was a lot of fun main card stuff, which we will talk, which we will, you know, discuss. But the one I want to talk to you about, Kayla, some more girl power. Carla Esparza versus Tatiana Suarez. Tatiana, all systems go just throttle Carla. Got her on the ground. Seemed to get every position. The only moment for Carla was that brief escape and back to the feet in the second round. But then she just closed out the show in the third uh, Kayla, this is a fighter who lost a year due to injury, came back, has reeled off, I want to say, two or three victories in a row, now mm-hmm. has this win over a former champion. What What do you do with Car- Tatiana Suarez? Or first, w- did you want to say anything about her performance in the fight? Well, I'm pretty upset because this is one of the fights that I like. still can't find. I can only find highlights of. <gasps> um. Which I get, I get it. Most people are saying it was pretty one-sided. Um, but, yeah, like you said, to get a win over Carla Sparza, former champ, is a huge accomplishment. But I also think that Carla Sparza looked really good to me in her last fight. And I know she had taken some time off, but I feel like she, and just because I know some people that she's training with, I think she took that time to really work on evolving with the sport. So, to get a win over Carla and a dominant performance at where she's at in her career right now, I think is super impressive. And I don't know. I, I'm all I think about and, and see in Tatiana Suarez is a future champ and a, and a dominant champ because she just has a style. And I know everyone wants to talk about her size difference, but she just has a style that's, it's going to be hard to beat. You know, what's funny is that um she's addressed it in, you want to know how tall Tatiana Suarez is, Kayla? How tall is she? Five five. Okay. That's it. She just she has she mentioned it that she just has very broad shoulders, so it looks like she just has that NBA player size wingspan out there in the cage compared to these other girls. She's really not too, you know, it it just looks more dramatic on TV than it actually is. Right. The thing about her, I think, is that like a Habib, she's able to really get to that top position consistently and she's able to deliver a lot of damage and maintain it very easily, it looks like. So that's I think when you have something like that, you have to imagine you're good to go. The real test, how is she going to do against, for example, a Jessica Andrade? I feel like Jessica could give her problems. Jessica knows how to grapple, knows how to wrestle, and she's not going to just stand there on the outside. She will get after it with Tatiana. The same thing for a couple other fighters in that weight class. Um, so I think that's the test. I think after we see Tatiana against, you know, how does she respond to someone who does that effectively? Then we're probably talking about title eliminator or even a title fight for her. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to the question. Who does Tatiana get matched up with next? Because a lot of the usual suspects, Claudia Gadea, already booked. Michelle mm-hmm. Watterson, Karate Hottie, already booked. There's not too many people. So who's on your radar? 
Oh man, I hate when you do this to me, G, because I'm not prepared. Because um, <laughs> it always goes down to scheduling. Of course, those two names or some of the names you just mentioned are great opponents, but who is free? So why don't you tell me first? I'm going to look up rankings and see who's booked and who isn't. That is cheating, Miss Kayla Beatty. You already good. did this beforehand, <laughs> and I know it. <laughs> well, duh, because that's how I work. But um, okay, so I go with um, uh, I really feel like she's better off waiting to see what happens with uh, Claudia Gadea and Nina Ansaroff. I feel like um, uh, obviously the one people are throwing out there is Joanna Yonjechik. The thing about Joanna is that. I really do feel like Joanna isn't looking to fight. I actually think that Joanna is looking to wait to see how soon the fight with Jessica and Rose happens. Because mm-hmm. if Rose wins, or sorry, if Jessica wins, Joanna does have a case to maybe get in there and get back that strawweight title. Now, mm-hmm. am I necessarily a big fan of that? Not personally, but business-wise, it is out there. If she wants to try to put her eggs in that basket and set it up not saying that the Tatiana fight isn't a tough one or a good one but I think that number wise it might just be a step back considering that Joanna just took out a top contender in Tisha Torres now and she has people discussing her moving up and facing Valentina which I don't really like that idea yet either but she does have options being thrown at her we will talk about that because that's another one is like also with that out there, it's not that it's not a good fight. I just don't, I just feel like Joanna feels like there's bigger fish to possibly fry before you just jump into a fight with Tatiana Suarez. So I'd say wait for Claudia Gadea if she gets the win. Yeah, I like that idea. Because it's mine, right? Exactly. <laughs> All right, so, babe, let's talk about this fantastic main card. There's a lot to talk about, so we can't break down every fight. We'll be here for hours, but here's a good question. There were two great knee bars on the card, Zabit Magomed Sherpov and Aljamain Sterling. Who had the better one? I mean, crazy that we saw those two on the same card like that, and I love how um, Aljamain responded on Twitter by saying that Zabit copied his homework. I thought that was cute. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they both were fantastic. I loved that whole setup. Um, and it's a super entertaining and exciting finish. Great for a highlight reel. I just, I'm such a fan of both guys, but I'm a big fan of Zabit and how he loves to go after those exciting finishes. So I guess I'll say Zabit. But I think it was a nice um, recovery for Aljamain, too, after he already had, you know, um, his knockout be like an internet sensation just because he ended up doing, what was it, the, the dab? Yep. He ended up in a dab <laughs> position. So I thought this was a nice way to recover from that, where now he has some a new picture to be shared of him, you know, in a better position. You know, I actually gave it to Aljamain. I feel like the degree of difficulty was a little bit higher. I feel like mm. his opponent was a little bit craftier on the ground. And just the violence level, it looked ugly. It looked mm-hmm. painful. So I did give that one to Aljamain. 
Um, with the one with Zabit, what I liked about it was that Brandon Davis can tell he's getting stretched out and uh-huh. he's kind of wondering, like, can I escape this? Do I hang? Do I not tap because I'm too tough? And you could just tell that he was like, nah, I got to get out of this one. For Zabit, I, I like the creativity. I mean, he, he got the knee bar from the back. How do you even do that? <laughs> so um, that uh, credit there, but I think that it almost looked too easy, which is saying something. So I gave Aljamain a little more credit. I think that the setup looked a little bit nicer for Zabit. He made it look too clean like he always does. So it wasn't quite as fun. Um, but, but yeah, it's because Zabit he's that the... good. <laughs> exactly. Which gets us to the next question. Zabit threw out the name Chad Mendez. What do you think about that fight? Yeah, I like it. I think that, you know, he's performing well. So if he sees a fight in Chad Mendez to just, you know, um, push him through rankings and continue getting closer to a title shot and stylistically, if he likes that fight, I say give it to him. Yeah, I feel like Chad poses a new set of problems. Athletic, explosive, great takedowns. I think that um, uh, I think Zabit needs somebody who has a few more tricks in the bag and who's also a very athletic guy who has proven power. I think that Chad checks all of those boxes. I think everyone else is booked, so that fight makes a lot of sense. People have been mentioning Yair Rodriguez. I'll say it. I think Yair is a step back for Zabit now. I think that with the absence, with everything else, that Yair would be a step backward for Zabit to take that matchup, even though we'd love to see them just try to ninja kick, sorry, ninja kick each other for 15 minutes. Yeah, I think that we we as fans and spectators just need an, uh, to see a fight with Yair to see if he has improved we obviously know there's skill there, but because of his long absence and kind of drama with, you know, the last couple of fights, I I would just have to see that his head's in the right place because the beat's on a roll. And I just think that, you know, all around he poses a bigger threat. And I I don't know if maybe Yair needs that kind of comeback fight just to tune up and, and get in a good place. But hopefully we eventually get to see that fight play out. For sure. I, I, I'm ready for it. I just got to catch up to the beat now. Uh, agreed. Couldn't say it better myself. Um, the final question, who's next for Jimmy Rivera? He was he was coming off that knockout to Marlon Moraes. We wondered if it was too soon. He looked very good, very dominant against a tough guy in John Dodson. Gets that very solid decision victory. And now, of course, he was on the cusp of a title shot. Who do you match him up with, really, in that bantamweight division? Yeah, I mean, I like the name that you dropped in our notes here. I think that that makes the most sense of just where both guys are at. It's tricky because we don't know what the champ's going to be doing, if he's going to have that super fight. Um, We obviously know that Dominic Cruz is looking to just come back and get a title fight. I feel like the top five are just kind of in a weird place that a Cody Garbrandt fight is the only one that makes sense to me yeah um cody stylistically i think is the most fun i would i mean aljamain sterling is kind of like if not now when for this big fight the same for dominic cruz i'll be honest dominic look i respect his pedigree but i really need to see that he can get to a fight stay healthy 
and perform at that top level before I invest in saying, yeah, let's just make a rematch with TJ Dillashaw happen. And then, right. of course, that would just be disrespectful to Marlon Moraes now, who's been mm-hmm. on a nice run. So I feel like Jimmy Rivera, either Cody or Dominic Cruz, personally. Um, Dominic, he was supposed to fight last December, if you remember. Right. So I think it just makes sense across the board, either guy, um, in terms of his ranking and his status in the division. So either one of those fights, but anyone else, even respectfully, Aljamain would be a fun fight, but Aljamain would be a more high-risk, low-reward, in my opinion. Yeah, that would be a good fight for Aljamain to finally break into those top guys. And with his last performance, you know, I think that he has an argument there. But yeah, if we're thinking just for Jimmy, I think those names of a Cody and Dominic and former champs would be the, the best move for him. Yeah. Also, don't forget Rafael Asunza is out there, too. You never know, yeah. you know, he's finally getting healthy and staying active now. So that's the thing about that bantamweight division. Um, Kayla, uh, there is some other news going on. Of course, Nico Montano stripped of the flyweight championship. So obviously, by okay. now, everyone knows on Friday, Nico did not make it to weigh-ins. She was hospitalized for kidney issues before weighing in. And later that afternoon, Dana White announced that she has been stripped of that championship. I mean, Kayla, what were your thoughts on the news when we heard it? Because I think that it surprised everybody. Yeah, I mean, my initial thoughts were disappointment, like everybody else, because we've been waiting for this fight to happen. We've been waiting for her first title defense. And, you know, it's just it sucks when you lose a co-main like that. I've had so many feelings about this situation and gone back and forth. And I, I, this is one of the very few times where I'll read an article and completely change how I feel hearing from one side. Um, so look, I think that if you are now a champion, you, you have, you are going to be held, you know, on a different level than anybody else. And I think that you should always be ready for you know just fight ready and I get it that she's been injured and she you know had got very ill and very sick so she's had a struggle but it's just you can't be missing weight if you're if you're the champion and I I know that that sucks because outside factors come in but um I don't know I just don't really think that there's an excuse for it I do I do think it's interesting that she brought up how she won the belt and that um you know it is a, a more unique experience winning the title as a tough contestant because obviously she did fight more times out of the year than than most people and have to recover from fighting that often but you were given a a unique opportunity to win the belt so I I don't know I like I kind of favor Valentina in this um, I guess debate or argument because I do think that once you're the champion you're just supposed to you know, be more responsible and, and, and be fight ready at all times. And then, you know, you know that I work over at 10th or work out over at 10th planet, um, San Diego. I even spoke to Liz Carmouche about it and she's, I see her in there and she looks like she's ready for that call, you know, 24 seven, always ready. So if you have other people in the division that have been fighting that long and, and know this, 
opportunity of getting this belt and, and know how they would act as champion and that they would constantly be ready. I just think that there's no excuses. You know, um, I, I actually, I want to give Nico the credit she deserves because she, I don't believe she was ever afraid of fighting Valentina. I know that's a rumor that's out there. I believe that you only get to kidney failure because you were really pushing to make your weight cut. And I want to point out, she never got to weigh in. I don't know if she actually revealed how close she got to weight. I know she came in 144 in fight week, and she usually weighs 141. Believe it or not, three pounds does make a difference in weight cutting if you're one of the more casual fans listening to our show, which thank you. But um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say, uh, uh, how do I put this? I think it's very telling that the UFC was like, we're not even going to rebook it. We're not even going to see where she's at with her health. We're just stripping her at the title. That was more telling to me than the whole, you know, why did she not make it or what have you. Um, Devil's advocate. When you compare it to other situations like Dominic Cruz, for example, Dominic Cruz was the dominant 135-pound fighter. Everyone knew he was the man to beat when he fell out and we were waiting for him to fight Hendon Barrow for years, et cetera, et cetera. When you look at Nico Montano, yes, she had a great Cinderella story, winning the belt on tough and everything. Very, you know, not too much experience, but beat all these veterans. I can't say that people were looking at Nico and saying, oh, yeah, you got to beat Nico Montano. There's, you, you can't say you're the best until you fight Nico. That's not fair. But I think that you got to address the reality of it is that Nico didn't exactly carry this big shadow and, you know, the iron fist of the division. And I think that when you look at it as a business, UFC was like, look, you know, Valentina's ready to go. And we're getting these line of girls, Liz Carmuch. Jessica I, Andrea Lee, maybe Joanna coming up. You kind of, and we said this so many times, we need that domino to fall already to move it along. Mm -hmm. And so respectfully to Nico, because I do wish they found out when could she return mm -hmm. before you just strip the title. I think if you're UFC, you're kind of like, look, we got to move this along already. We gave you the time. We were patient. That we just this is business, we got to move it along already. I don't think that's fair until you know how long Nico would be out, but I also think that that just was where you're at at the end of the day if you're UFC. So, it's I get the, why it's their new division, do. and like you said, they have so much talent there just kind of sitting benched. And yeah, you got to understand the business side of it. And I really like how you brought up that that was the most telling of all things because maybe the UFC and the people behind the scenes are seeing something that we're not seeing. And it might be a lack of discipline that she's showing as a champion. I don't know. I, I don't, I can't think of other fights where Valentina Shevchenko has been so passionate and so open to call out someone's lack of professionalism. So I'm not saying, I don't know Nico Montano. I don't obviously see how hard she's working. I think that she, you know, is obviously talented and hardworking to get to where she was as a champ. But maybe there are some things that people are seeing where they just don't trust her enough to 
hold that title and be able to provide a fight by the end of the year. Well, remember we also remember we also talked about this that Nico, when she was absent for a while, she chose to stay silent, and mm-hmm. that actually ended up hurting her because it so started it started to look bad. It starts to look like you're trying to dodge the bullet, pun intended. Um, so I think that all of those factors really went into it. And um, look, I, I'll say this. I would love nothing more than for Nico to come back, get the fight, get the title shot she deserves when she comes back and um, handle business. But I think you also got to look at the business in the calendar. And that really doesn't allow for having another champion on the sideline at a time when you're really trying to get these pay-per-views booked already. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Obviously, it's not the most favorable uh, favorable circumstance, but it is where it's at. I like that she, you know, defended herself on social media. Mm-hmm. I found it interesting. I don't know if you saw it, but she did her Instagram story and said that uh, she essentially deleted her post where she called Shevchenko a lying bully. And she said she felt bad calling her names. And I'm like, um... If you're trying to galvanize the fan base to support you to keep your belt, I don't know if that's necessarily the best move, but <laughs> maybe that's just Nico being who she is, and I'll respect that at the end of the day. That leads to the elephant in the room. If UFC is going to move forward and have Shevchenko fight for a vacant title, who do they match her up with? I'm going to take this out of your hands for a second and say something that may not be popular with you, Kayla. So I want to warn you. Liz Carmouche had a great win over Jennifer Maya. But similar to Jessica I, she's coming off a more lackluster run at Bantamweight that I think is still at the forefront of fans' minds. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if she can necessarily leverage herself into that title fight right now. I do think that if they are going to make the push, they will probably try to get Joanna to move up, which also raises the question, you know, how would you feel about Joanna bouncing back and forth? I don't like it. I like how you brought it up, uh, what was it, two months ago, that Joanna, if she's going to move, you got to stay there for a while. But I think just on star power and marketability that I think Joanna just has that locked in over some of these other girls like Andrea Lee who just got here or like Jessica I also who's rebuilding her reputation. Here's the only reason why I don't like the super fight. Um, I guess starting out this division because it is, it's the division. This is the first like, you know, title defense. And actually, you know, it's a, it's a new champion that we're getting in Valentina. And um, I, I just don't like how, this division is starting because though Joanna could come out and say, Hey, this would have been my natural division had it been available when I started with the UFC. I just think that if you currently have fighters that are listed under the UFC, you know, I'm looking at UFC.com right now listed under the division of, um, you know, being natural one. Uh, what? Oh my God. Why am I? One twenty-five. Yeah. Um, I think that have those fighters play out and, and fight each other and fight for the title before you have a super fight. 
the reason why I like the super fight with the TJ versus Henry Sudo, well, I don't even know if I like the Henry Sudo, but I liked the TJ versus DJ because I feel like for the most part, both guys had fought a good majority of their division already. Same with DC and Stipe. Both of those guys had faced a lot of the guys, you know, in their current divisions to where now it makes sense. Hey, they're so dominant in their performances. Let's, let's see this super fight. What would happen if one of them moved up or down? I don't think that we've had that in this division yet since it's so new. And since there's, you know, it's been put on ice for a little bit. So that's why I'd like to wait for Joanna to move up. Unless like you're saying, she makes the decision to move up and stay there. She has to let go of this, you know, another fight with Rose and trying to play that back. Um, I, I understand what you're saying as far as um, because there's so many names in there and, and star quality to really build up that division and build that fight. A lot of people have an argument of why they should get a title shot. I like the whole Liz idea because I think that she did mention in her last fight that she was actually sick too, legitimately sick. So she didn't even get to provide the best of performance, you know, that she wanted to. And I just like that there is a story there of a rematch, just like a Ioana has. So, you know, they have faced each other in the past. She has a win over Valentina to where it actually got um, stopped because she was getting beat up so badly. So there's a storyline there that makes sense. But, um yeah, I don't know. There's a few fights that obviously can make, and I understand that they want it to be one that they can really build up because obviously a Nico versus Valentina was going to sell. Yeah, I mean, um, looking at uh, Liz, she's up there. I, I would put her, if it's not Joanna, I, I'd say you kind of got to go with Liz Carmooch um, because of the wins over Caitlin Chikagian, Lauren Murphy, Jennifer Maya. Um it just makes she's sense. A veteran, a, a you know, a veteran in women's MMA. I feel like give it to the girls, you know, like uh, you know, having a, a Mackenzie Dern or someone go in there. You know, all respect to her. Obviously, she's been in the combat sports world and jujitsu, but there's a lot of girls that have been fighting for years, um, maybe in, not in the UFC, but in other promotions that. Those are the ones that I think deserve title shots. Like they're the ones have, that have continued building women's MMA to where they finally did open up this division. Yeah, I think for me though, um, and once again, like great argument. You have a lot of great points. I think also it's looking at the UFC business, and mm-hmm. I hate to bring this up again because I feel like it's beating a dead horse. They're saying that the prelims for last Saturday's 228 and everyone was saying those fights were awesome. Guys and girls were getting knocked down, dragged out, beat down for a few hours. They are the lowest ratings of the year. And I think that, um, look, there's a reason why UFC gives so much to Conor McGregor is because he can actually get people to tune in. Mm-hmm. credibility pedigree it, it's definitely a factor UFC has to put on the fight that sells anymore and I think that that is the one thing keeping Joanna ahead of all these other girls despite you know I, I agree with you I really do but I think also when you look at the business it's just one of those tough realities of it and where the UFC is at right now but so look, is there I mean, 
Is Go there ahead. a name? Is there a name in the current division that you like? Like in the matchup against Valentina at flyweight? Um, mm-hmm. Look, if it's not Joanna, I think Liz is the biggest one. I put Liz ahead of Sarge Sayer Eubanks. Yeah, I, yeah. I I put her against. I put her above Andrea Lee. Um, mm-hmm. Respectfully, it's just I think that those big losses at 135 for a while kind of hurt. Liz Carmouche a little bit. She, um, you know, she struggled against Misha. She struggled against Alexis Davis. Um, you know, she had a year off, I think, between victories. Yeah, against Lauren Murphy and Caitlin Chikagian. That hurts selling a title fight, you know, and that's the only thing. Joanna, we know what Joanna brings. We know that Joanna has beaten everybody besides Rose Namajunas and now arguably Tatiana Suarez. So, that's why I just kind of keep her up there. So, but I agree with you also. If she's going to move, I'd like it to be a little more permanent. I'd like her to say she's going to be there a minute before she considers moving down to 115 back down to 115 for any circumstance. Yeah, I mean I think too just looking at the division, we need I mean Valentina is a tough opponent. That you know, I, I I think like an Andrea Lee though. I think she's very talented and skilled. I'd want to see a couple more fights to believe that like, wow, this is going to be a really competitive fight for that vacant title. Agreed. Caitlin I mean, you can look at Roxanne and Barb, but then you know those are kind of tricky too. Just within their last couple of fights of Barb losing to Roxanne and Roxanne losing to Nico, but I do feel like at least with Roxanne's fight against Nico, it did go to decision, you know? Yeah. Also, I'd like to point out, um, Caitlin Chukagian, um, three, three fight win streak right now in UFC, uh, four and one overall. Don't count her out. If other people aren't available, she's kind of the dark horse in the division. So at least we know that it's moving forward and they're trying to get that division started. So I agree, but, um, Look, very tough, and I think it caused more drama than I think we wanted, but that is the fight game at the end of the day. I do want to point out, before we move on completely from 228 stuff, you have to imagine Darren Till had his moment of satisfaction where he said, you know what, you guys were backing up the wrong fighter all week with all this Kamaru Usman talk. And I think, hey, credit to the man. He made weight, first try got in there, handle business, vindicate the man for a minute. He he answered the cr- critics and handled it. So yeah. I think it's a point to, you know, I want to give him the credit he's due. People didn't think that Nico or someone else would pull out and he had to take all of that all month. Give the man his credit. Yeah, for sure. Moving on, this news, I mean, you you made sure that I knew about it. Joe <laughs> says he is moving up to 155, Aldo doing a scrum in Brazil and said that his plan is for his next fight to be at lightweight, says the only way he's fighting back at 145 would be for the belt. Mm. Um, he said that he he's aware that they're contenders like your Hinato Moicano, Zabit Magomed Sherpov, but says that by the numbers, by the rankings and his pedigree, they're just behind him. And he's not interested in those fights because he feels they would be a step back. He did tease that he was open to fighting Donald Cerrone at UFC Sao Paulo this month. But you have his managers 
essentially turned down the fight, said, no, that's too small of a fight for Jose Aldo right now. He did say he's interested in fighting on the Toronto card in December. Keep in mind, that's also where they're looking to have Holloway versus Ortega. Kayla, very bluntly, what are your thoughts on Jose Aldo finally going up to 155? Yeah, well, we had discussed it, what, earlier in the year that we just didn't, we didn't feel like there was that many fights for him, you know, at 145. So if he was going to continue fighting, that, you know, maybe that move up would be um, the right move for him. And so, though we do have those names that you brought up, um, you know, and Zabit and others moving up that would be interesting to see, I, I think that... For his career, why be that, again, what, how, kind of how you compared earlier, like that uh, Tyron Woodley um, welcoming in the, the new age. I don't know if Jose Aldo wants to be that person and just and just kind of stay at 145 to be that, you know, former champ and, and to see if Zabit is, you know, this new level fighter that can take out former champs. I think that for him, he's still very young, very talented, um, that he can do – more at 155 and if he's dominant up there he can get one of those super fights i think he was kind of waiting to see what was happening with the current champ and um you know if the ortega and holloway fight was going to get booked so that's probably why he's kind of weighing out his options and i still believe it he just can't get that bad taste out of his mouth that he wants that rematch with conor mcgregor so i'm sure once he saw that conor's back and fighting you know, um, for the title, that probably just sealed the deal to where he's like, yep, I'm moving up and I'm going to try and maybe take a couple fights and get that, that fight against Connor. Yeah, for me, um, the thing about it, like you said, like he, he doesn't have much more to prove at 145. And yes, the Connor, th- uh, the thing about the Connor loss was the fact that it kind of rewrote his history. That's not fair, but I think in the eyes of a lot of fans, it did have that effect. And so he kind of wants to do what he can to remedy that a bit. I think as more time is passing, he's able to do that a little more. And look, the fact is, Max Holloway is a very good, very talented fighter. Same thing for Brian Ortega. Same thing for Zabit. There's always going to be the next guy at 145. He you know, he's kind of doesn't have anything left to prove other than the fact that there's always going to be another guy. And Jose Aldo, you know, it's a fact of the fight game. Eventually, they're going to catch up to him a little bit. So I like to move to 155 because if he wants to try something new, I think he's kind of in that point to do it. What motivates a guy who's already been on top for a decade? This, I think, is that move. Yes, could he? Does he want the Connor fight back? Absolutely. Who wouldn't after the, under those circumstances? But there's plenty of fights. Aldo Ferguson, Aldo Poirier, Aldo Justin Gaethje, plenty of fun fights at 155. I think that if that's what motivates him, and there's big, there's more big fights there immediately than just the next young guy at 145. I'm okay with it. Now I want to pass you this question. Hypothetically, let's say Brian Ortega defeats Max Holloway in December. How would you feel about Jose Aldo possibly bouncing back to 145 for a title fight? Um, I mean, I, I'm not 
totally opposed to it, but I would rather him do work at 155, maybe fight for the title, and if he wins, then kind of make it. I like if he fights for back for the title at 145, I'd almost want it to be a super fight, but to do that, he's obviously has to put in work at 155, which would not be an easy task. But I don't really like seeing him fight a couple times at 155 and then all of a sudden jump back down. Because like we said, say he won the title against Ortega, there's not many exciting matchups for him at 145. So I don't really want to see him hold that title anymore. I agree with you. I'd love to see Brian versus Jose Aldo for the record, but I think that um, you raised a very good point. He wins it. He gets it back. That's huge. But what's really left for him? I mean, he's he besides Max Holloway again, he would be he's already defeated Frankie Edgar, Korean Zombie. Maybe you're thinking about if Zabit gets to a title shot. That's really the only thing left for him there at 145. So I agree with you on that. But um, I don't know. I kind of like that Ortega-Aldo fight, Kayla. I'm not going to lie. Maybe that would be like the closing fight of his career. And, you know, he vacates it at the end. I don't know. It, it, we would just we need to see how he does at 155, too. Gotcha. Well, you know what? I mean, he's not without options, and I'm sure he'll get a fight booked after the October event where we'll get a better idea of who's even available. I think that's the thing we're waiting on, too. Mm-hmm. Moving on, Kayla, why don't you talk to us about the next event? Because I predict a possible Hawaiian work vacation. I mean, that sounds like a dream already. Yeah, I love this news. I think, I mean, of course, I'm a little biased because she teaches me jujitsu, but it is super cool just to see how Bellator is so invested in their flyweight champion, Alima Leigh McFarlane. But to have her not only headline another event and now and trust her, her, you know, talent and star quality enough to bring Bellator to Hawaii and bring a big promotion to Hawaii and have, you know, this historic event is just so cool. I mean, for someone who started her MMA career just because she wanted to, like, get a good workout and lose weight and to become the first champion and then open up these doors to now bring, you know, it back to her her home homeland is just so cool. And it's really big for Bellator, too. Obviously, we know that there's been talk of the other promotion, UFC, wanting to make – um, a fight happened in the U or in Hawaii with their champion Max Holloway, um, but they didn't feel strongly enough that it would sell. So I love that Bellator trusts that Alima's fight and just the whole fight card that's being put together will be able to sell and be a success. And I think that we kind of got a taste of it too. I think what really sealed the deal for them to feel confident in it was that fight night in Temecula. I felt the Hawaiian love in that audience and the fact that she got all those people to fly out to California, I'm sure that she'll be able to, you know, fill the seats back home too. Well, I think that it's a perfect move. Um, once again, business-wise for Bellator, uh, I'd like to point out something that UFC only makes profit selling a bigger venue so the Alima fight is going to be at the Neil S. Blaisdell Arena, which holds roughly 8,000 people on the Big Island of Hawaii. 
to be fair, UFC, the only venue in Hawaii that would possibly, you know, be okay for them is the Aloha Stadium, which holds 50,000. Now, I want to put that in perspective. However, I think that you have to acknowledge breaking ground. With this fight, Alima versus Valerie, and the great co-main event, Lyoto Machida making his debut against Rafael Carvalho. I think the thing about this is that Bellator will be the biggest MMA event in years in Hawaii. Or, you know, arguably one of the bigger events that they might have that year. And if it's successful, that just keeps the ball rolling. Exactly. Example, let, like, I want to say that the arena is going to be... It's got to be three times as big as the venue in Temecula, mind you. If they can sell that sucker out quickly, you have to think that economically Hawaii is going to be like, hey, you know, we're very open to this. Let's talk about the Aloha Stadium for Bellator and other stuff. That could help out UFC. But more importantly, Bellator gets to be the ones to say, hey, we're the ones on the ground first. That's a great business move. That's almost like a great coup for the promotion. So I think Someone all of that just... Take... Go oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think all of that together, that's what makes this a great move. You have Alima when she's never been more popular in a fight mm-hmm. against a veteran people know. And you also have a great co-main event with guys like Leoto and Rafael who are going to deliver. Yeah, and I think that someone has to take the chance of bringing the sport over there. What better time when you have several Hawaiian fighters that are becoming stars and doing so well? And, you know, obviously the Hawaiians, similar to the Irish, are, are, are loyal fans to their champions, to their fighters, to the sport. Who's to say that, you know, going over there breaking ground doesn't build the sport up so much to where they build a new arena. I mean, it is an area that the land is actually grown, you know, continues to grow those islands that who knows the, a couple of years down the road, if the sport really becomes big again out there, um, that they might, you know, start something to where they build a stadium with MMA in mind. You never know. I think that someone just had to take the chance and I think it's perfect timing. But I'm just excited for this matchup, too. We, we had a feeling that that was going to be the next fight. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a competitive matchup. Yeah, I mean, with Alima, obviously younger, great wrestling, great grappling against the veteran Valerie Letourneau. The thing about Valerie, I think it's going to be about what Valerie Letourneau do we get. I think that she is much better at 125 than she ever was at 115. I think that that's just her weight class. She carries a lot of power. I think that for Alima, it's going to be about can she work with the craftiness and the veteran savvy of Valerie Letourneau. Valerie knows that she probably has Alima's number on the feet. And she knows that Alima's probably going to look to get her to the ground and, you know, use that 10th planet grappling that Kayla Beatty knows so well now. So <laughs> I think that um, that is really the matchup. It's really a veteran versus young hungry champion looking to just cement her own legacy. And I think it's a big one. So it's competitive. I like it. Yeah. And like you said, the co-main's good too. I'm excited to see how they stack the rest of the card, because I think that we know that there's that Hawaiian talent out there. And I feel like they're going to really try to fill the card with it. 
I mean, Kayla, I'm getting ready to get that rowboat and just take it from Long Beach to the island. <laughs> Maybe I'll go on that journey with you. I don't know. <laughs> Here's the thing. I feel like you're just going to sit there and let me row the boat the whole time. I don't know how I feel about that. I'll fish. I'll fish and catch our dinner. I feel, okay. Wait, you'll start a fire on our boat? No, I'll make a sushi. Okay, I like I, I like this deal, Kayla. I really do. I think we can make this work. You can hold the umbrella too. That way we, you know, while I'm rowing, we... Oh, gosh. Oh, we need to take a volleyball just in case too. <laughs> All right. So, you know, this next one, of course, it wouldn't be fight week without actually previewing some fights. UFC Moscow... The UFC's first event in Russia. Kayla, I spent the morning. Fan, the media itself is excited. They were telling me we are seeing guys who are never out here. They said internet media never comes to our events. UFC gets here, and now it feels like there's a bunch of them. That's how big UFC is right now. They are very excited for the event. I had a reporter tell me that you have M1, you have ACB, but she sees UFC possibly being able to take over that market. That's what it's like having the brand finally touch down in Russia. So some his- history being made tomorrow on Fight Pass. And it's headlined by Mark Hunt against Alexei Olenek, the king of the walk-off knockout against the wizard with the Ezekiel choke. Yeah. Where do we start with this matchup? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because like you said the the styles there it's it's really um gonna think i think it's gonna go down to who's going to get the fight you know in their um turf i think that mark hunt i i like that he's speaking up but i also worry that he's just bringing so much emotion into these fights too which you know, isn't a bad thing. I think he's a veteran enough to kind of use it, um, you know, uh, for his benefit. And and that's maybe why he was getting these powerful knockouts because he's just pissed. Um, But Alexi is just a dangerous guy. And I think that he has many ways of finishing a fight if he gets it to the ground, even though he's saying he can't do his famous Ezekiel choke because of Mark Hunt's thick neck. Yeah, you know what surprises me is Mark Hunt has been a veteran practically his whole career, it feels like. Alexi Olenek has nearly three times as many fights. Yeah, he he has a crazy record. Yeah, he's got over like 60 fights, 57 victories, if I'm not mistaken. This man has traveled the world and he's beat a lot of people along the way. Now, I think that when you look at Mark Hunt, the thing that makes him so dangerous is that he takes risks. He leaves himself open, but he just gets after you. He knows he could take a shot and he is willing to take it in order to land that big punch that he needs to end the fight. Against Olenek, I think the issue is going to be that Mark Hunt isn't... Uh, I guess Alexi is going to be more aggressive with the takedown. I think guys like Curtis Blades and others, they were willing to stand a little bit with Mark. <laughs> I see Alexi pulling out the Daniel Cormier style, that just relentless pressure, takedown, work against the fence. And I think that even if he's not going to choke out Mark Hunt or try to get a submission, he's just going to look to hold him down on the ground and beat him up with heavy ground and pound. 
and I don't know how Mark Hunt is going to handle it. He is yeah. a fun guy, but he hasn't exactly shown us that he's ready to, you know, how do I put it? Change up his game plan, incorporate some more wrestling or what have you in order to get out of it. So right. I think that's really going to be the big question. Can he defend the grappling of Alexi Olenek long enough to get himself his takedown? So that's going to be the main question. Obviously, we have to pick a winner. Ladies first, who do you see taking this fight? Yeah, I think um, you're right in that. Of, of it's it's gonna this is a fight that's really gonna push Mark Hunt. I I don't know. I just think that Alexi wants to get the big win. I think that, like you said, he's he's gonna go in there more aggressively and has that experience to. Uh, of, I, I don't know. I'm I'm picturing that I think he's going to take the fight to his his home turf on the ground. So I think I'm seeing a earlier finish, maybe in the second or third. No, I'm thinking second. Second round for Alexi Olenek. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Mark Hunt. He's knocked people out around the world. <laughs> he wants to shut down the show in Moscow. He wants to bring winter early. I got to agree with you, though. I feel like Alexi Olenek knows that uh, Mark Hunt, uh, I think he feels like he's getting him at a good time. I think that he's going to be well-prepared, hands up high, chin down, do what he's got to do to take out Mark Hunt. Um, I think it'll go a little later. I think it might go to decision, just Mark Hunt unable to get that shot and stay on the ground um, or stay off his back. And I think it's going to go to Alexi Olenek by decision in this one. The only reason why I think it won't go to decision is I think that both guys will want to perform and get a big finish because it's a historic event and in Russia that they want to close out the show and make it exciting. Not that a decision isn't exciting, but I think both of them want to have that main main event being discussed. All right. Well, I mean, there we are. That's where we're going to be for Moscow. They have some other fun fights. Andrei Orlovsky makes his return once again. So it's going to be some good stuff. Kayla, just a busy week. All right, so logistically, let's close out the show with this. Combat Americas is going to be on DAZN and Univision tonight, so no worries about that. Tomorrow... The UFC is on Fight Pass early in the afternoon, so everything done before 3 p.m., no matter your time zone, if I'm not mistaken. And then Canelo Triple G is at night, so you don't have to worry about missing it. Remember last year that UFC Pittsburgh was at the same time on Fox Sports 1 as the Canelo Triple G pay-per-view, so no issues for fight fans tomorrow. And then, of course, MMA Pro League on Flow Combat. So I think that one might be the odd one out in the MMA world. Kayla, final words as we head into this mega fight weekend. Um, I'm going to be in my PJs watching a lot of fights at home. <laughs> but it's going to be fun. Lots to discuss and talk about. And it's cool that there's, you know, other promotions giving the UFC a run for their money and providing, you know, some good matchups too. If you can hear, we always have an animal appearance in our show and my friend's dog, Apollo, seems like he's excited for fight weekend. 
Is it is it because Apollo knows he's a hockey and go for a walk? <laughs> Maybe. All right. Well, fans, thank you always for listening. <laughs> on social media, talk about fights. Fans can find me at fangirl underscore MMA. Where can they find you? Fans, you can find me all the time. Double G on TV. We'll catch you next week.